Jeff Frederick-Conjoli from Frederick-Conjoli Wealth Management. I want to welcome everyone back. It was about four weeks ago that we talked on, on overcoming adversity. Um, getting a little background, Frederick-Conjoli Wealth Management has been around for over 27 years. It's comprised of 14 professionals that have over 200 years of experience. And we have the benefit of working with businesses, business owners, executives alike, families, retirees, athletes, entertainers, and foundations. And a part of that uh, benefit of working with these folks is you get to work with some very interesting people, leaders, folks that you can emulate and learn from. And we want to make uh, this take this opportunity to share some of what we've been able to endure with some of the folks that we're entrusted with. And we, we came together about four weeks ago at sort of the beginning phase of this uh, unfortunate situation that we're, we're faced with. And we talked about overcoming adversity. And before we talk about the next phase of that, I want to just take a few minutes and reflect back. And because, of course, this has been a very challenging time. Many of us have been in complete lockdown. Some of us have been very restricted on what we can and cannot do, depending upon where you're at in the country. But I want to talk about some of the positives. I have had the fortunate benefit of not traveling as much. I've had the benefit of having dinner with my family, my wife and my three kids, my parents and really had the time to take a deep breath and really reflect upon how quickly and how uh, in demand we were and, and travel and, and just going at a pace that was really tough to sustain. And so now we've been given the opportunity and we may have another couple to four to six weeks of this type of uh, free time. And I wanna make sure that we're taking something that's a challenge, call it a lemon and turning it into lemonade. And so I want us, if we haven't learned anything from this, we need to take a step back and take a breath because this is an opportunity to learn as well. And as we do that, let's, let's start thinking in terms of the next phase. We're gonna reopen America. We're gonna reopen it as early as May 1st for parts of the country and a slow process. And my instincts are that within the next six weeks, we're gonna have the opportunity to be back on track and, and we're gonna see this economy and this demand like, almost like a coil being shot out of a cannon. And I wanna make sure we're prepared for that. So some of the benefits that we have and Frederick Consley Wealth Management and working with leaders in different areas of the country and in different industries, uh, we want to be able to pass that along to you as we work with each of you one-on-one -on -one and as well get the opportunity to talk to you today. I've asked two individuals to join me today that I believe are leaders, people that I've learned from, that I continue to learn from, and I'm going to have them talk about where, what brought them to us today. First, we have uh, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, we love his direct message. Many of you know him from Shark Tank. I've heard his story many times before. I'm looking forward to hearing it again here in the next couple of minutes. But before we bring on Kevin, I want to uh, introduce Jason Waller. Jason Waller is not only a friend, uh, he's a client. He's a CEO of a company by the name of Power Home Solar. He's an extremely successful owner of a business that's generating millions and worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And I wanna know what he's done, what he's doing to prepare for uh, this next phase. Uh, but before we get into that, Jason, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about what brought you to us today. Hey, thank you, Jeff. And, and thank you, Kevin, for having me on. Um, name's Jason Waller, didn't finish college, had limited high school, had a child in my teens, and this is my third business endeavor. The first two, I'm an entrepreneur. 
Uh, I believe, you know, they, they say I'm a true underdog. I, I believe we make our own map. We got to overcome adversity. We're all in adversity now. You know, the first two businesses were actually in home security, uh, sold both of those, made a profit, decided to open a solar company, knew nothing about solar, but I knew I wanted to make a difference in the world and I wanted to have a why and I wanted to be part of something great. And so we started that from the ground up. Uh, needless to say, we opened in 2015. We lost money uh, year one and ended with about 30 employees and 3 million in sales. Here we are five years later. We finished last year with 185 million in sales, uh, almost 700 employees to date. We're still hiring in today's pandemic. We're near a thousand employees. We're on pace to do 250 million in revenue. You know, we're trying, we have a motto at Power Home called BAM, building a movement, one panel, one customer, one employee at a time. And we just get really excited about having a why and changing the world, you know, overcoming adversity in times like this, you know, bonding together, rowing the same way, having the same message, trying to allow people to actually own their power, not rent their power, not continue to pay those utility companies, those escalated rates, but to be able to control that power at home, control that cost at home, protect their power source for things like the, what's going on now or a bad storm with, you know, battery and, and uh, storage that we offer as well. And, you know, we've been blessed. We partnered with five NFL teams. We've put solar on those NFL teams, one major league baseball team and a college as well. And we're in 10 states. We're super excited. I'm as good as my team is, but I try to have the vision and the motivation to keep these guys grinding, you know, working through any kind of adversity. We are actually hiring people and having more sales than we've ever have this past month. So that's what's really exciting about, like you mentioned, taking a, a, a bad situation and finding an opportunity there. So thanks for letting me tell my story. I love hearing more about that, Jason. And I love your energy. And I love to learn more about what you're doing now to prepare for that next phase, the reopening of our country. What are you doing to get your troops ready, et cetera? But before we do that, Mr. Wonderful, we love your direct message. Tell us a little bit about, for the I've heard it, and maybe some of the folks have as well, but tell us a little bit about what's brought you to where you're at as you oversee multiple companies and how you've gotten to be so successful and someone that people just love to hear from. Well, I've, I've been fortunate. I was an entrepreneur back in the late 90s and had a large liquidity event like many of your clients, sold a business. It was the learning company, the company named Reader Rabbit, Carmen Sandiego, and those products. It was sold to Mattel for about $4.2 billion. And um, it was a classic, you know, from the garage uh, out to becoming the world's largest educational company. But now I'm an investor and uh, support a, a wide range of different companies. I have 51 private companies now uh, in almost every state. Um, and I've been, uh, in the last four weeks, it's been really fascinating. And, I, and I'm going to talk about um, how, how, what remarkable change out there um, and, and, and what, the, what, the new, what the new normal is going to be like and, and what remarkable investment opportunities are going to be uh, emerge because America, I'm, I'm always an optimist, but I have a feeling we're going to see some remarkable efficiencies come into our economy over the next year or two that we never even thought could happen because I'm watching them occur right now. I'm going to use an anecdotal example. Um, so one of my companies is America's fastest growing greeting card company. And as you know, the majority of greeting cards are sold in retail. And um, we had, we had, uh, and we still do have some of the most expensive retail spaces in the world. We have a retail shop, for example, in Hudson Yards in New York. It's the most expensive retail space on earth. Now, obviously, when, um, when this pandemic hit, uh, all of those stores had to be shut down. So it's remarkable in the sense that 
you know, in, in all of the traumas and different corrections we've had over time, there's never been one that took a, a sales channel to zero in two weeks, which is exactly what happened there. But here's my point. So this company, uh, I'll give you an example of what a love pop looks like. This is a, um, a greeting card. You can see it. It's a, it's actually a, a dragonfly. That's beautiful detail cut by lasers in Vietnam. We have the largest uh, Hewlett Packard laser cutting facility there, three football fields in size. And uh, we make cards and then we FedEx them to America. They're hand assembled. And um, what happened was we realized in overnight that, you know, 58% of our sales had collapsed. Now here's the pivot. This is what I love about entrepreneurs. One of the women that did a lot of the design said, you know, I, I just tried to pre-order some flowers for my mother. And as you know, most of the flower distribution centers in America have been shut down. The flowers have rotted. They're not coming in yet. And it's one of the sectors that's asleep right now. And she said, why don't we get, why don't we redesign uh, a new card? And why don't we make flowers? This is a, a beautiful bouquet of Mother's Day flowers. Uh, retails for $49, a third of real flowers. And we started selling a million dollars a day worth of those bouquets online, directly to our customers. A million bucks a day, $5 million a week. Uh, we have completely replaced our retail uh, sales as a result of this phenomenon. And we think our new direct to relationship to customers is what matters because Here's the dilemma for us now. Just think about this. And then I'll talk about all the PPP deals I'm involved in. You'll see this. I, I was talking to the CEO yesterday. I said, wait a minute. 20% of our income statement is leasing real estate. And you're just telling me that we're going to beat our sales target this quarter by 400% without any retail sales space. Walk me through that again. Why would we be renting so much space when we get out of this mess? Why don't we continue to sell these cards the way we're selling them now? And he said, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. That's just one anecdotal story. Now it makes you think about REITs a little bit, but I got more data for you. So when the bill came down a few weeks ago on a Friday, the PPP bill was signed in the house at 245. I got lots of lawyers, I got lots of accountants. We had it in our hands by 3.30. And we were reading it. This is a Friday afternoon mm -hmm. in New York. And the assumption we made before we read the bill was what we were going to do with all our companies is make one of two offers to or, or offer two options to everybody. And one was because I, like, I'm trying to keep all these companies afloat one way or another. And I said, OK, here's the deal. Offer the employees will furlough half of them during the troubles or we'll offer everybody a 50 percent pay cut and stick together, keep the medical. And, and the benefits. Ask everybody what they want. CEO by CEO, you decide what you want to do. And almost 90% of them said, we'll go the 50% cut in salary, we'll, we'll stick together, we'll take that deal. And we are about to implement that until we read the bill. Now here's where it gets just crazy interesting. So the bill says you take a snapshot of your payroll at midnight Feb 15th of this year and another snapshot June 30. And if the June 30 number is the same or better than the Feb 15th number, you get the loan forgiven. All free money. 
whole new ball game. Over the weekend, we say, wait a second, we're not cutting anybody's salary. Let's look at this thing and understand the deal. Because the government's clearly trying to keep the DNA of these businesses intact and everybody at least compensated during this, call it three month period, right? And I agree with this. So that was a $350 billion package that came out. Within about seven days, it was already allocated. It's another $250 billion coming in this afternoon. But here's what happens. We know we're not going to get the money for at least five to eight weeks. It's going to take that long to process. So what do we do? We do what millions of other business owners did. We call up the landlord and we ask them to give us a 90-day deferral because that's our number one cost. Just move the rent and tack it on the back of the lease. This is happening everywhere. All the private owners said, okay, we're 99% of them. And the REITs, of which I used to be a huge holder of REITs, it was a big part of my portfolio, all said, now nah, we'll litigate you. And I said, okay, just send me, I'm a shareholder in this company, just send me a copy of the complaint, because what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to post you on my social media where I have 4.2 million followers. And I take a picture of the CEO and put it right up there and I'm going to give a detail of all the American families going to go on welfare because of your policy, Mr. Reed. Now, I know that's being a bully. I know that's horrible. I don't care. I'm trying to keep these businesses afloat. And it worked. It really worked. And uh, I pretty well have that negotiation with every REIT in New York, Florida, Texas, California. My point is, you don't want to be long REITs right now because the, 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 it's not just the impairment for 90 days. Now here's where it gets interesting. 51 companies, many of them doing very well because they're in home gym supplies or they're in office supplies or they're in detergents or they're in sanitation or they're in surface cleaners or, or they're in lime. Uh, I have a company in Oklahoma that makes lime uh, infused with um, vitamin C, which is a, a, a natural it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a natural insecticide and we're selling tons of it, tons. And because of, you know, people are at home and they, they're trying to keep the ants out of their homes and all that stuff. It's called uh, First Saturday Line. I mean, anyways, my point is we all used to have offices and here we are now working in our almost eighth week, the way you and I are talking now remotely, just like this. Everything's working, we're on fire. And I'm thinking to myself, what do we need the office for? Why don't we offer a third of our employees the ability to work at home when we get out of this? Which we're going to do. We're going to try and save 7 to 11% across the portfolio in rental costs. That's permanent impairment to a REIT. How many people are going to want to go up an elevator with 85 people in it into an office tower with 7,000 people jammed in? I don't think so. I think a lot of people are going to be a little Howie Mandelish when this is over. They're going to be germaphobes for a while. And anyways, my point is you know, that asset class is probably not great in your portfolio. So I've sold all my REITs and what am I doing? I'm investing in the companies that actually are supporting all this change. The Zooms of the world and the Alibabas and the Alphabets. I'm just reading some of them. It's, it's an index you can go look at. And it's maybe some of you own it. It's called OGIG. But boy, is this thing performing. It's got 58 companies, companies in it that allow this transformation to our economy. And so I'm, I'm arguing I'm going to make more money when I get out of this mess. Sorry. Very good, Kevin. So what I heard you say was 
you you calmly or at least in appearance looked at the situation you made some assessments you adapted to those original assessments to the government involvement you looked at each one of your companies separately and said what are we going to do one to keep our employees working two to keep the company going in the right direction and survive this and as you pointed out many of your companies are going to come out of this actually better off like yeah. the hard company they're going to make more money <laughs> that's right yeah. And we're, we, we have some similar stories we'll share with the group. And if you don't mind, Kevin, I want to hand it off to Jason, because Jason, I have the benefit of sure. working with you on a personal level. I know you've done something similar to adapt and take advantage of it. If you don't mind sharing with us what you've done to be agile. Yeah. First of all, when all this came about, I mean, I, I think, you know, our executive team has had more meetings in the last six weeks than we have in five years. We're spending every hour as things would roll out. We're getting on a, a FaceTime call and, and talking to labor attorneys and talking, you know, reaching out to the CDC or the health departments of those states and seeing what the options are. And, and we had our backs against the wall and a decision to make. Do we shut down and call a timeout for 60, 90, 120 days and probably be in a better position than we would be if we stayed open or do we, because we are an essential service offering, you know, batteries and storage and, and power to home and generators, or do we fight through this knowing we're going to take a loss, but at least every one of our employees still gets a paycheck. You know, that, that single mom that, you know, needs to go home and buy diapers and formula, she can still come in and work. That dad that's out there installing for us, that he's the only provider at his house, he can still go work. And, you know, we're 900 plus employees. We knew about 90% of them. They need that check every week. And so we made a decision to take ourselves off payroll immediately uh, till further notice. And we had a, a collaborated uh, email and video out to our uh, internal team and told them, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to fight our best way to keep the doors open. We don't know how you know our customers are going to react. We don't know if people are still going to raise their hand and fill out forms and say they want to own their power, not rent it. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to fight for you guys. And that motivated the rest of our team to then we had over 75 employees and leaders in our company uh, basically volunteer a portion of their payroll to keep the lights on. And we utilize that plus what I call the, the COVID or the pandemic uh, discount, kind of like what Kevin said, he was calling, you know, the landlords, we were calling our vendors and we're saying, listen, a dollar in February is a lot different than a dollar in March 30th, right? So we need to go ahead and find a way for us to get a better discount, work with us on payments. And we did that down the line and, and we were able to really capitalize some cash flow to keep moving. And then lo and behold, we did some adjustments on our marketing. We started to offer generators and sales are starting to skyrocket in our business. You know, we get paid at the end of the install. So it's usually a cash flow crunch. And so now we're starting to see the tight turn and, and, and be able to build off customers wants of, I don't want to have to worry about things like power or refrigeration. And it's really, it's really helped our business. And then where we can work remote, like, like Kevin mentioned, I mean, you know, we have certain uh, employees that are working from home. We decided to do an inside sales team. We can't tell everyone to do inside sales because, you know, the percentages of closing is different. People want to meet people. They want to meet who they're dealing with. They want to see you show up in our company car. They want to see you look at their roof and look at their power panel. But there's an opportunity. We call each customer. We're like, hey, does anyone have symptoms? Would you like someone to come out or would you like to do a presentation online? And we now created an online sales team to offer the products online as well, which is really been beneficial. We're going to come out of this a lot stronger, a lot more profitable and bonded together to continue our movement. 
Beautiful. Well, what we're hearing is companies that have less than 500 employees have a opportunity to take advantage of a government bailout called PPP. Those companies that uh, have over 500 employees, and we work with both sides of that, they have to adapt a little differently. So it's a good example of what Jason Waller has done at Power Home to make sure that he can continue down that path. One, and, and it's clear, I think we want to clarify, the executives and the CEO took a massive, if not reduction, complete elimination of pay to allow the week-to-week, -week, the month-to-month -month employees to stay in the game and be able to get that paycheck. So you adapted differently. You altered your business to uh, feed and, 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 and create a, uh, a generator business for your company so that you can help an alt and other facets of the need for power. So you adapted in different ways. Uh, what, what are you doing now as we, if I can pass this to both of you, now that we're, I think within a couple weeks, in some cases, and maybe four weeks and other and beyond, what are you doing now as you get ready to reopen, uh, uh, whether it be the American economy or your personal business greater than you already have? Uh, Jason, let's stick with you. What is what, what are you doing in preparation for that next phase? Well, we're hiring. I mean, we went from 700 employees in the beginning of March to over 960 now going into, you know, the middle of it near the end of April. So we're continuing to hire. So we're ready. So once the doors open up, we're full, you know, we're full press. We're ready to go. And I think that's exciting because, you know, that talent pool, it's unfortunate what's going on and people losing jobs. But for our business, we're able to fish in a pond that has a lot of talent. And we were scraping the barrel to look for those gems and those diamonds before. We're now those C players. We're very proactive in our business of, look, you got A's, B's, and C's, and you want to develop C's to B's or get rid of them fast, and you want to grow B's to A's. But you always have that bottom trench, you know, the 80-20 rule. And now this is allowing us to really develop and hire better talent as we go into the rest of the year. So that's been exciting. And then the way we've done our business model of having an opportunity to do some online sales, generator sales, you know, we're tying it all together. It's opened up the doors for, for more opportunity for our, for our company and our employees. Beautiful. Kevin, please, you have a couple minutes because you have to go to your next meeting. Uh, is he, oh, he had to drop off. Okay. Well, Kevin had to leave. Unfortunately, we had some technical issues early on, but I know this, uh, we got to know Kevin because as we prepared for the 2020 market year, having been in this business for over, uh, roughly three decades, I have been, ex I have been uh, uh, able to experience a number of different markets. And one in particular that we knew was coming was an election year. We knew that we were heading into a major election here in 2020. So well before January, we had to create and make sure we were protecting our clients and preparing for what we've seen in history, which with election years, which is very high volatility. So we did some things to one, assure our clients had enough liquidity to ride out any type of unknown for the coming 12, 18 or 24 months. We had to identify that. We looked at the portfolios that our clients had invested into long-term investments. I say that three to five years or longer, we have the ability to own stocks. So we looked at the type of stocks we own. We wanted to own companies that had very strong balance sheets, strong cash flow, paid a dividend greater than the general market, had the ability to maintain a lower level of debt, had high cash flow. We're not trading at multiples that were very lofty and very uh, considered to be risky. We wanted to make sure our portfolios were very defensive and were able to overcome what was 
about to potentially take place. As an example, the last election year, major election year was 2016, a presidential election. We had 12 contractions of more than 5%. The strategy that I just described on equities not only overcame that, but they went down about half of what the market did and recovered twice as quickly and ended up beating the market at the end of that year. So we had good examples of 16, 12 and eight uh, election years and how this transpired. So we wanted to be proactive. Well, one of the strategies we utilized, Kevin O'Leary was attached to, and that's how I met Kevin and got to know him. And we really appreciate his partnership. It's afforded me to get introduced to business owners like Jason and help him do the same thing. He's in a little bit of a different phase. He's building a company. He may have a liquidity event. He's taking on partners. So we, we look at this opportunity today as a call to action. We have the uh, ability to guide counsel and protect them to make sure they don't make the wrong decision at the absolute wrong time. Okay. So if we have enough liquidity to ride out the next, 12, 18, and 24 months, why would we sell long-term investments that are built on quality, that have sell disciplines? We have to ask ourselves that because let me tell you something. If you sell at the bottom, you will not recover. And I'll tell you examples of what I endured over the last three decades through many of these tumultuous times is when investors say, I'm just going to take a step back. It's called capitulation. They say, I had enough. I want out. And you take a step back and you see, I'll get back in after it hits bottom. I'm going to tell you how that plays out. The market goes down a little further. You feel good. You feel like you overcame this. But then what happens is in a vicious fashion, the market reverses and it heads higher. And I can tell you with my experience, and we've seen it recently, it happens very quickly. And if you think you're going to jump on that train when it's going 60 miles per hour, I'm here to tell you you're not. And you're going to miss it. And then you're going to miss that first 40%. And then you're going to miss getting back in. Our job is to make sure that doesn't happen. Make sure we protect you on the front end and we keep you in the game on the long end. And our platform at Wells Fargo gives us access to these best money managers. That's the way we've adapted. That's the way we have positioned ourselves. And I want to spend another minute, Jason, what are you doing and what are, how are you viewing this next phase and what have you done personally to prepare? Well, I mean, you know what, obviously I invest with you, Jeff. And so I, I follow your lead on a lot of this stuff. Uh, but I believe you got to reinvest a in your business first and then B, you know, you got to be conservative in a time like this and not sell and panic. Um, you know, stick it. I, cash is king right now for me. But but like you said, if there's great companies out there, great stock options, something that you can buy that, you know, is going to rebound and be involved in that. I think I was just looking the other day. Amazon's continuing to climb up while this is going on. And then Kevin mentioned, you know, you've got Zoom and a lot of these online platforms. Just being smart and going with the right type of businesses and being conservative, I think, is a good way to bounce back. I like it. I'm going to I'm going to put a call to action at the end here. But I want to utilize someone who has forty five thousand followers on Instagram, someone who's a coach, a father, a husband and a leader. And give us a little bit of, of takeaway that if you've got these these listeners in this audience of business owners, uh, folks that are retired, people that work for you, uh, companies in different sectors. What kind of advice can you give them as a true underdog? 
Well, I think, and first of all, thank you again for that. So, you know, I got this podcast and YouTube channel called True Underdog. It allows me to kind of share my story, but more important, share other people's stories of how they overcame adversity, how they, be, you know, overcome struggles, whether it be in business, life, spiritual, whatever that is. Everybody's got a story. That's what that platform's for. We've utilized, you know, Hall of Fame uh, running backs, NFL players, yourself, anybody that's got a story to tell, we want to share that. And I think the advice is, look, we're all in this together. This isn't a you problem or the people down the street problem. This, this is affecting everybody somehow. And that's what's unique about this is you can't hide from it. But what you can do is stay positive. You can wake up knowing, hey, I can either set my mindset to be negative and the world's going to end and I'm going to freak out and I'm going to get out of the market. I'm going to sell everything I got and I'm scared. Or you can look at this as an opportunity and say, hey, how can I use this time to really build myself up? to build my business up, to set my wealth in the right position. Because like you said, as things go down, people now need to get into the market. If they're not in before, they need to get in now because it's not going to go down anymore. We see it's about to turn around. It's going to go back up. And it's the same way with our business. As we're hiring people, we're getting them built all in. Like, look, this is a company we keep growing. We get through this, the story we get to tell, they're going to ride a rocket ship up to the top. I love it. Jason, I love it. And that's exactly why we asked you to join us. We'll be talking more. If I could summarize, be agile, adjust, take advantage, turn a, a potential negative situation and see how you can turn it into a positive. For example, with family, we probably have another couple of weeks, many of us and some a little bit more to take advantage of this. I can tell you firsthand and many of you that we work for know this. We go overtime. We're going overtime now in a different fashion. What I mean by overtime travel offices in different states, being in front of people, being at different events that are raising capital for good, uh, good organizations like Boys and Girls Club and hospitals. And so we're always in demand. And today, and probably for the next couple of weeks, and as we know, the last four to six weeks, we've had a chance to take a step back. And I want to challenge everybody to utilize the next couple of weeks, because when it's back on, it's going to be like a coil getting ready to snap out of a, a, a shoot out of a cannon yeah. and we're going to be in demand like never before. And the pent up need that we have, we're going to be looking to facilitate. So take this next pause, take a deep breath and take advantage of it. Finally, a call to action. Many of you we work for, I think, you know, we care about giving you good guidance and counsel. We're going to continue to do so. We have 14 professionals. You know them well. They're the cream of the crop of the industry. We're here to help you. For those of you that we have not worked with that have the opportunity to listen to this podcast, we're offering you the opportunity to reach out to us. Our phone number direct is 248-385-5055. That's our direct line. You can work with our dozen plus professionals that are seasoned and ready and willing to help you and guide counsel you through the next phases of your decisions that are going to be important for the next phase of your life. I thank you all for joining us and I ask you to take to heart everything that Jason and Kevin have shared with us and what we're willing to share with you as well. And I ask you to be well and take advantage of the opportunities that we're faced with. Out. Bam!